We're going to go to the book of First Peter, chapter number 2, this morning. If you have your Bible, First Peter, chapter number 2. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one there in front of you, in one of those chairs. We'd like for you to follow along uh, if you would like to. First uh, Peter, chapter number 2, today after the service, uh, this morning's service, uh, we'll be loaded up, headed out to camp. Out in uh, Colorado, everybody's excited about that. Everybody's got snacks, lots of snacks. I guess you need those for a 12-hour drive, don't you? It's just eat and everybody. So, so who all brought snacks? Amen. All right. Who, who's going to eat their neighbor's snacks? Yeah, that's the way that works, I guarantee you, for sure. But excited about that and looking forward to what God is going to do this week at family camp. And... Uh, Absolutely looking forward to the testimony service next Sunday night. Always a great time hearing what God has done in the lives of men, women, boys, and girls. And uh, certainly we need to be doing a lot of praying as they head off. Safe trip, and then just for God to work as only God can work during that time. Okay, First Peter, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter number 2. And look with me, if you would, to verse number 1. We're going to read down a few verses. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the chief cornerstone, elect, precious, uh, I'm sorry, let me back up. My double vision got me there. Verse 6, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also uh, they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which, have, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. If you'll leave your Bible open there, we're going to visit a few of these verses as we go through the message uh, this morning. Uh, which I have titled, Are We Blessed or What? And we are blessed. Let's pray and we'll get going. Father, one last time, we just ask for your guidance by your precious Spirit, uh, Lord, that you'd illuminate your Word and you'd speak to us clearly and help us, Lord. Mm. Help us that know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior to draw closer to you. And again, if there's someone here that does not know Christ, Lord, speak to them clearly. Only you can do that. Draw them to yourself. Bring them to that place, uh, Lord, of repentance and trusting Christ before it's eternally too late. 
we do love you. We thank you. We're looking forward to what you're going to do. And we ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. <clears throat> well, there's a whole lot to consider in the seven, uh, the ten verses that we read this morning with this message. I'm going to try to attempt to make the main truth of this passage just as simple as possible. And hopefully we'll receive some application from it also. Um, so let me introduce it by giving a big picture of the text. Uh, we really need a general overview of what's going on to, uh, before we look into uh, it for particulars. In verses 4 and 5, Peter uses a metaphor in that. He says that God is building a house, that God is building a, a spiritual house. And that house is built upon, pardon me, that house is built upon one chief cornerstone. And the cornerstone is the one from which all the other lines of the building are measured. All the other lines of the building are drawn. And so they must all be in line with the cornerstone, that, that stone of, of supreme importance. Uh, the house is then built with less significant but living stones. And these stones at one time were nothing, but they became something uh, very, very important. Uh, they became very blessed, uh, very distinct, very distinguished. Um, and the house is to stand as a bright light in darkness. Uh, it, it, it is to show forth the praise and the glory of the builder uh, of the house. And so we need to start with, the, with this idea of the living stone. Verse number four again, it says, To whom coming as unto a living stone... Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Look at verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So we're talking about the living stone, the chief cornerstone of the spiritual house. Of course, we know that is Jesus Christ himself. In Matthew 21, Mark chapter 10, Luke chapter 20, Jesus is recorded telling a parable about the rejection, the rejection of the Messiah. And he told them uh, that Isaiah had already written that the headstone would be rejected by the builders, uh, but that God would make that rejected stone the chief cornerstone. And we know Jesus is the living stone. He, he is the one around whom all the other stones are laid, by whom all the other stones are measured. And then according to verse 4, the stone was and is rejected or disallowed by man. Rejected or disallowed by man. Uh, the last part of verse number 7 <clears throat> says this, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. One writer said this, he said, quote, the human and the divine viewpoints are often at variance, but never more acutely than in the appraisal of the Lord Jesus Christ. So try to get this picture in your mind, if you will. The Jewish leaders were trying to build their house upon a Messiah. Oh no, they, I mean, they were looking for him. They were expecting him to come. They'd been taught that all of their life, as they looked into the Old Testament, they were expecting the Messiah to come. And then Jesus came. He did come. 
And we know this, he was born a lowly birth, laid in a manger. We know that he was raised in a very humble setting, the, the son of a carpenter. Um, uh, he lived a meek and a lowly life. He wasn't in the limelight of everything. And then he came and he preached peace and forgiveness and humility. And so they measured him, these Jewish leaders, they measured him by their standard And he wasn't what they were looking for. No, they'd been taught all their life that he was coming. And he came. But they measured him by their standard. And he wasn't what they're looking for. So they took the stone and they rejected him. Oh, come on. All the way to this point. Crucify him. We know that's right. They rejected the head cornerstone. I I really believe today that people are looking for something or someone upon whom to build their lives. Um, And then they're presented the gospel uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect, sinless life, that he died a very vicarious death on the cross, shedding his blood for the sin of mankind, that after three days he rose from the dead by his own power, and not many days after he ascended to the Father where he sits at his right hand. And if people will just simply turn to him in repentance and, and, and trust Christ as their personal Savior and humble themselves and follow Jesus and live a holy life in obedience and submission i mean i mean they 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 they, they're presented that gospel of what god has for us if we want to know him and live a good life here and they're presented that and they say well no thanks well what he's saying preacher well he's disallowed just like he was disallowed back then now he's disallowed a lot in the day and time we live isn't he Come on, it's true. It's, it's absolutely the truth. People want something that's going to make their life better as long as they don't have to put out any effort, long as, they don't have to, uh, as long as they don't have to live in a way that's contrary to the way they want to live. It's fine. You know, come on. We know the gospel is very, very clear. Jesus Christ is the very begotten Son of God. He did come. He was born. He did live. He did die. He did rise from the dead. He does live at the right hand of the Father. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. Absolutely so. And if people will turn to God and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, He gives us new life. Somebody say amen. It's absolutely the truth. It is. He gives us a life different from anything we ever thought that we could ever live because it is a life living for Him. But there's a lot of people today, and I'm not trying to be ugly when I say any of this. There are people today that you take that and you present that to them and show them what God has to say about that. And they just like, no, that's not what I want. And so just like He was disallowed back during this time with the Jewish leaders who had been told that He was coming, He's disallowed today. I remind you that of the seven plus billion people in this world today, it is, it's, it's, it's widely said that only about 2% are acquainted by experience with the new birth. 2%. I mean, that's mind-blowing. Absolutely so. 
That's why we need to continue to send missionaries around the world, isn't it? All the missionary letters that we have on our back walls back there. Send missionaries around the world. Let people know about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's important that we go out in our city, isn't it? And we go and we invite people and we spread the gospel and we try to share Jesus Christ with others. It's very, very important that that they have the opportunity to at least accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Two percent. So Jesus continues to be disallowed by the builders, if you will, by men. They've rejected the, uh, they've rejected the divine blueprint for life building. And it's really sad to say, but really most today reject Jesus as just not usable. He just does not fit in our world today. But God says in his word that he was chosen of God and precious. Come on, that's my Savior. <laughs> chosen of God and precious. Over in Acts chapter 22, the apostle Peter preached that Jesus was God's approved one. Absolutely. In Acts chapter 17, verse 31, Paul preached on Mars Hill. He said, because he hath appointed a day in that he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, talking of Jesus, wherefore he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. So he preached that. The apostle Paul preached that on Mars Hill that Jesus is appointed, get this, Jesus is appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. Jesus is. People today, people today say they have this idea that we as Christians, we want to judge everybody. Well, you can't judge me. You don't be judging me. Don't judge. We don't judge me. Hey, listen, I, I, I don't want to judge anybody. We already have a judge. He is appointed by God. He is on his throne. He's appointed by God. And he judges the living and the dead. Come on, as we go through this life and then after this life, it's, he, he is the judge. So Jesus, the one rejected by man, is chosen by God. Come on, I know that's very simple, but it's very, very true. He is chosen by God. Again, he had a virgin birth. He lived a sinless life. God said of him at one time, This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. And the Lord said he's precious, honored, prized, uh, uh, highly valued, precious. So think about this. To some he is precious and to some he is offensive. Would you say that's a fair statement? That's a fair statement. So what makes the difference? What does make the difference? Look at verse number 6 with me again, if you would. It says, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which, which be disobedient, the stone which the builder disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So why is it that in the same nation, the same culture, uh, here in the United States of America, to some Jesus is a lovely name, wonderful name, but uh, others seem to swell up in indignation and try to keep him from even being mentioned. Yeah. 
We've seen a lot of that in our country, haven't we? Come on, just squelch that. Can't pray in this, can't pray at that. Don't, don't take a Bible to school, all these different things. Well, why do some love it when, when we talk about Jesus and others get angry when even the subject's brought up? It does happen. Come on, you have tried to talk to people about the Lord, right? Why is that? Why in even, why in even one family at times? Is there such an opposite reaction? Come on, with one family member, it might be that they love the Lord and the other one doesn't want anything to do. Don't you even bring that up to me. Come on, you've seen that too, haven't you? It's common. It, it, it's, it's way too common. Yeah. But the answer really is not all that difficult. The last part of verse number six says this. Um, he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And then the first part of verse number seven says, unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the, the stone which the builders disallowed. So he becomes precious, get this, he becomes precious to all that believe him. He becomes precious. Uh, okay. In, in John chapter three, verse number 16, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. It goes on in verse number 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then verse number 18 says this, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So Jesus became, listen to me, please. Jesus became precious to Peter because Peter believed in him. That's why he became precious. Oh, no, no, no. Over in Matthew chapter 16, uh, Peter said this, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We could go to John chapter uh, number 6, where Peter said, and, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Jesus became precious to Peter because Peter believed on him. He believed that he was the Christ. He believed that he was the Messiah. He believed that he was absolutely the Son of God. And, and then Jesus became precious to the Apostle Paul because he met him on that Damascus road. He really met him on that Damascus road. Look, he becomes precious to all that are saved. He becomes precious to all that have put their faith and trust in Him as their Savior. He's not just a historical figure anymore. He's my Savior. He's not just a good prophet. He is the very begotten Son of God. He is the one that paid the price with His own blood by shedding His own blood to pay the, to pay the price for the penalty of sin. My sin and your sin. Absolutely so. If you and I have believed, he's precious to us. He's precious to us. But the last part of verse number 7 says, Which builders disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So, he's a stumbling block of offense, to those that have not trusted him. Come on, I'm just reading the Bible to you. It is right there so very clear. Absolutely so. 
Do, do you know why? Do you know why 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 people reject God? Uh, I, I'm sorry, reject God's elect cornerstone, reject the Lord Jesus Christ. We just read it. No, no, we just read it. Here's why, Here's the reason why they're disobedient. That's what it says. I mean, it's very clearly. It's what it says. Uh, come on, they don't reject him. <clears throat> uh, they don't reject him because of hypocrites. Well, I'd like to invite you to Riverside Baptist Church. I don't go to church. Church is full of hypocrites. Uh, I know. Okay. Walmart's full of hypocrites. You go there. <laughs> well, I know. No, no, I know. But, it, but it's not. No, that's not why they reject. No, 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 no. And it's not their intellectualism. That's not it. You know, well, I just believe that they're bought. Whatever the case may be. And it's not even that they cannot believe. Because for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it is very possible that they could believe. Isn't that right? Come on. I mean, very, very possible. Definitely so. Here's the reason. It's because they they choose. Please listen to this. It's because they choose to disobey the gospel. And they choose to disobey when the Holy Spirit is calling them to believe. Because God speaks to us, doesn't he? Come on. He deals with our heart, doesn't he? No, no, no. He convicts us of sin, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely so. But they choose to disobey the gospel or disobey that God would uh, want them to be saved. So whoever rejects Christ disallows him as the Savior. In the very same way, come on, in the very same way that these religious leaders did back in their time, Today, when people reject Jesus Christ, they disallow him as a savior. And one day it's not going to work out real good for them because of that rejection. Because of that rejection. Well, why is that, preacher? Um, The last part of uh, verse number 8. Whereunto, let me see, uh, let, let me back up just a little bit. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. What are you getting out there, Brother Marshall? What, what's, what's the deal there? Well, because God has appointed judgment for all who are disobedient. Well, you can't judge me. I'm not trying to judge anybody. I, I don't want to judge anybody. We, we have a judge. And there's going to come a time where we will all stand in front of him. Even if you were to stand in front of him today and he was to ask. Why should I let you into my heaven? Because it does belong to him. I mean, what would your answer be? And by the way, when we leave this life, there's only one of two places to go. We will either end up in heaven for eternity with the Lord, or we will end up in a real place called hell. 
And again, I know I've said a lot of times, but I know the modern theologians are trying to air condition hell. They're trying to do away with it, but it's a very real place. Jesus spoke of it more than he spoke of heaven. And I think he did that to give us fair warning about this. Now, we will stand before God one of these days. And he will be the judge, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will either, no, no, we we will either be able to say, I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and he is my Savior. Or we won't. Or we won't. It's not going to be a good day for those that are, the Bible word, disobedient to the gospel. It's not going to be a good day. But I love what it points out here in the last part of verse number 6 because it says, it says, uh, he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So us that have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we are never confounded. Um. We're never put to shame because the stone failed. The stone didn't fail. No, 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 no. We're never disappointed with the stone, the chief cornerstone. We're, we're never disappointed with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he saved my soul. April 1984, beside my coffee table, I'm telling you, I cried out and he saved my soul. He gave me new life. He, he gave me a home in heaven. He, he has changed my life so completely. It, it, it is, it's just crazy. And it's all because there came a time that I chose to believe. He did that for us. And there's blessings for those who believe. Verse number 5. Stay with me. We're doing good here. Verse 5. Ye also are lively stones, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by uh, Jesus Christ. Look down verse number 9. But ye're chosen generation those that have believed, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I'm very thankful that in April 1984, as a hopeless drug addict, I got down beside my coffee table and I called upon God, I called upon the Lord, and I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I didn't have to work at this. I didn't have to change my ways initially. I, 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 I wouldn't, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't because I was a church member. It wasn't because I was baptized. It wasn't because I'd read the Bible before. It was none of those things. I, I put my faith and trust in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me all those years ago on that cross, and God saved my soul. Amen. 
He saved my soul. Because I believe. Because I chose, when God dealt with my heart, I chose to say, Lord, I need you more than I need anything else at this point in my life. And he saved my soul. My life's never been the same since that time. It's a blessing for all who will believe. In verse number 10, we have to notice what we believers were not and had not. He said that we were not a people. We were not a people. What in the world is that supposed to mean? Well, basically, we had no distinct existence as a community of people. No, no, we're talking about God's program. God's program. We, we, no, 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 we had no usefulness to God's program. Well, how come? Because we were separated from God. Come on, sin had separated us from God. And, and so that's where we were. We, we were aliens. We had no real purpose in life. We had no real purpose in life. God created us. Oh, come on. God created us, and He had a purpose for us before we were ever born. He had a purpose for us, but we have to come to know Him. He gives us divine direction after we come to know Him. And, and before that time that we met Him, we had no mercy. We had not received His mercy. Therefore, we had no mercy. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I'm thankful for the good grace of God. I'm thankful that He was willing to show His mercy to me. And now that we are saved, we have to notice what we are and what we, what we have. Again, verse number 9, But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time were not a people, but are now a people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So four designations are really closely related here. And remember, remember, come on, we were not a people, but now we are. No, and he names it here. A chosen generation. A nation of believers. Come on, this world is not my home. I'm just here for a time. I'm a citizen of heaven already. Absolutely so. No, no, no. We are a chosen generation. And we're a holy nation separated unto God. Come on, I'm not talking necessarily about the United States of America. I'm talking about us that have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We are a holy nation, supposed to be. Okay, and then he says this, that we're a peculiar people. Oh, come on. It's not, it's not saying we're peculiar people. No, 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 no. That, that, that carries the thought of a private possession. Okay, I like it by myself then. We are gods uniquely. We belong to Him. Okay, I'll, I'll say it to this side then. We belong to Him. Absolutely so. We belong to God. We are God's possession. Hallelujah. I mean, we're peculiar people set apart. We are the people of God. In verse number 9, he says we're a royal priesthood. Mercy sakes alive. In Revelation number 5, it tells us that we're kings and priests in the Lord. I, I don't get that. I'm an Oklahoma redneck. And mercy. Kings and priests? I don't understand it, but I sure do like it. No, no, we are His. No, no, no. We share, please get this, we share in His royalty. 
And we have access to the Father. Yep. <laughs> Ever since that day in April 1984, anytime that I've called on God, He's been there listening. He is my Heavenly Father. He's a wonderful, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, forgiving, caring Heavenly Father. He's always there for us as we know Him. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. But we can't leave this without noticing what has become our purpose. Come on, if you're truly saved by the grace of God. Look at verse number 5 again. It said, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And then the last part of verse number 9 um, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So according to verse number five, get this, we are spiritual sacrifices. No, 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 no. We, we don't bring animals be offered over and over and over again as they did in the Old Testament. Somebody say amen right there. I'm very thankful that we don't have to go through that. But get this, get this. A young man, young woman, comes to the altar and says, God, I give you my life to do and use however you choose to use me. Spiritual sacrifice. Lord, I give my life to you. It's yours. Guide me, direct me, help me. Keep me strong in your might. Help me to understand what you want for my life. There is a God in heaven. He does have a plan and purpose for us. He wants to use us in that way. We're spiritual sacrifice. But also use our gifts to assist others who are saved. Spiritual sacrifice. We're helping others. You go out and witness to the lost. Spiritual sacrifice. You're being a part of what God would have you to be. You give your tithes and your offerings as unto Christ, spiritual sacrifice. You're helping others come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You sing together to praise God, spiritual sacrifice. Man, we meet together in this place, lift up our voices to a holy God. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And verse number 9 says, To show forth, pray, uh, forth the praises of Him who hath called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. No, no, get this. We were darkness. Now we're light. Because of Him. Not because of us. <clears throat> I know what I was before April 1984. I was a rock. A dead rock. Just a stone. Not worth a whole lot. Just a dead rock. I know what I am now. I'm a living stone. 
I'm part of the house. And I know why I'm here. I am here to offer spiritual sacrifice. I am here to praise Him for being so very good to me. Absolutely so. There's no, there's no great void. There's no confusion in the life of the obedient. Come on, we read it right there. There's no great void. People are looking to fill a void. I'm doing great. People are looking out there to fill a void. And they're using all types of things to try to fill it, aren't they? Come on. I mean, drugs, alcohol, sex, list goes on and on. Gambling, whatever the case may be. List goes on and on, doesn't it? We're looking for something to fill that void. There's only one thing that will fill the void, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can. The only one that can. But we have to choose, choose to believe. Well, you can't shove that stuff down my throat. I'm not trying to shove anything down anybody's throat. I, I don't like that at all. It wouldn't have worked with me back when I was lost. And I know it doesn't work with others. I don't want to do that. But man, oh man, to offer up the gift of eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would anybody refuse that? Why wouldn't anybody want that? It's there for us. So how about you? Are you, are you trying to live the life trying to fill a void, but you've rejected the cornerstone? Or maybe you do know Him. Uh, I mean, you have been saved, but you've been come, you have become disenchanted. The Christian life just doesn't seem to be what it used to be. Well, let me ask you a question. How's your sacrifice? Now I'm talking about to you that are saved that may have become disenchanted with the Christian life. How's your sacrifice? I can look at those that are serving God with a pure heart, and I can almost see it on their face. No, no, this, this, this exclamation, I can almost see it on their face. Are we blessed or what? Those that are just trying to live their life for God. Those that are willing to uh, sacrifice as God would have us to do so. We are blessed if we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior and we're willing to follow Him in the way. We are blessed. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, we'd love an opportunity to share that with you even today before you leave this place. If you do know Christ as your Savior, First and foremost, you just need to present yourself a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that, present, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's no better place to walk, <clears throat> excuse me, than right in the center of God's will. No better place. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment?
Thank you for being so attentive this morning, so patient. Very well could be there's someone in here that would just say, Preacher, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died today that I would go to heaven. I'm just not sure. Would you please pray for me? Boy, I'd like to do that. You're in here like that. That's your condition. Would you allow me to pray for you? Just slip your hand up where you are. I'll acknowledge it. We'll move on. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to pray for you. Preacher, I'm not sure if I died today that I would go to heaven. Would you please pray for me? I'd like to do that right there. God bless your honesty. Appreciate that. You may put your hand down. Others, others, would you just let me pray for you, preacher? I'm just not sure that I have it all settled. Anyone else before we move on? Anyone? Sure, I'd like to pray for you. You're here this morning, and you know you're saved by the grace of God, but somewhere along the way, uh, well, let me put it this way, you've kind of lost your way. Christianity is not that exciting for you anymore. It just doesn't seem to be fulfilling you like it once did. But I can truly say that's not God's fault. How's your sacrifice? You say, preacher, I need some help with my Christian walk. Would you please just pray for me? Boy, I'd like to do that this morning. Would you slip up your hand wherever you're at and let me do that? God bless your honesty there and there and there and there and across there. Hold them up for just a minute. I do want to pray for you there, over here. God bless you back in the back. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Let's all stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their personal Savior. Certainly, we know, Lord, that we can't make them do anything, and we wouldn't try, not at all. But you've spoken to their heart, so we pray for them, that you would continue to deal with their heart, that you would draw them to yourself. And Lord, that they might even come this morning and let us take a Bible and take them aside and show them how they can have that settled. We'd love to do that. Lord, just continue to work. And then for believers, Lord, I don't know what's going on in their life, where they are, what they're, what, what, what's going on. I have no idea, but Lord, you do. And I pray for those that lifted their hand. And I pray for those that should have lifted their hand. I pray, God, that you would uh, touch them and help them. Show them how much you love them and care for them and just desire for them to walk in the path that you've laid out for them. The fulfillment, Lord, of uh, spiritual sacrifice. Just doing those things that you would have them to do. How it can restore the joy of their salvation if they just take those steps. Whatever needs to happen, Lord, I pray for the folks that have already come to the altar. I pray for those that need to come this morning. Lord, might your perfect will be done, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some have already made their way to the altar. You need to come this morning. We'll not take long. Uh, I'm not going to drag it out, but you need to come this morning. Just let God have his way. Whatever he wants you to do, just yield yourself to him. Never go wrong doing that. Would you come?